So just to let you know, my whole purpose uh, for being here is to make sure that when your pastor comes back, you will be so thankful and you'll be like, praise God. So I have a question this morning. Uh, let me see. Let me get you the first verse here. Turn to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, while you're doing that, I want to list some names for you that I want you to uh, see if anybody knows who they are. Just curiosity. Uh, Owen D. Young. Anybody know an Owen D. Young? How about Pierre Laval? And, and by the way, if I'm saying their names wrong, that's me. Hugh S. Johnson. Nope. James F. Burns. Mohammed Mossadegh, I think. I'm probably butchering that one. Harlow Curtis. No one. Well, according to Time Magazine, these are all people who have been designated as the Time Man of the Year, indicating they had the greatest impact in that year of all persons living on Earth. The celebrity of today is all but forgotten tomorrow. How many people have had designations like that? But the question I have for you today is, have you ever considered who you're trying to be like? And what is it about them that, that you're trying to be? Uh, what do you see in them? Uh, an example of this, I'm going to give you a couple of them here as examples is, maybe it is you want to be a mover and shaker that can change the course of history. Maybe that's for you. You know, your, your heart's desire, regardless of your age, is you want to be, have some major impact on history. Uh, maybe for you, you want to discover some new things or you want to be able to create some new thing or you want to be able to make some new technology. And that's that's really, you know, what you'd like to accomplish. Uh, maybe for you, uh, you want to be one of the beautiful people uh, or one of the ones that the world adores and has all the praise and the honor for, you know, uh, whatever their particular attributes are. Uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just a little bit simpler. Maybe you just want lots of money so you can just buy whatever else that you want. You know, you want some, you want fame. You just buy people to, you know, say how great you are, that kind of thing. Uh, by the way, if you have that kind of money and you need some part-time fill-in work and you're paying high enough, I will be, why not? Uh, but nonetheless is if you think about when you were growing up and maybe as a young person today, you're thinking of the movie stars, the actors, uh, politicians, comedians, and all these different people that maybe you wanted to be like. Um, maybe you even dressed up like them. Uh, maybe you learned some of their mannerisms, you know, especially as, uh, as a young boy watching baseball and stuff like that. You know, you'd watch some people and they'd have the little flair for when they hit the home run, you know, and you'd want to practice that in, you know, little league because you like you were ever going to get a hit a home run. But, you know, just in case you wanted to have that down. Uh, or maybe, you know, you played Little League football and, you know, you wanted to have all the moves like different football players were. So you practiced them and all that. And, you know, and then spent maybe more time because this used to be a bigger thing. They still do it today, but not quite as much as, you know, after you celebrate or after you get the touchdown, then you celebrate. You know, you got to have the, 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 the poses. You got to have the dance moves. You got to have all these different th- kind of things. 
uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, um, some other thing where you're practicing, you see some move or something on a movie or a TV show and you're practicing it and you're, you're trying to emulate that as a younger person. Um, but growing up, we, the, well, I, and on top of that, you even have people that emulate how try to talk like somebody talks. You know, maybe you don't want to talk like a normal person. You want to have that like high English, you know, with the uh, type of language. Or maybe you want to have a southern drawl or, you know, because there's somebody that you like. So you alter how you speak or how you talk. You know, that's, uh, I've seen some of those people like that is, uh, I think preachers sometimes are some of the worst, especially some certain southern ones where they got to have the ha huh! in there and uh, all this other stuff. It's like, I'm pretty sure as a little kid, you didn't have that. You know, when you were praying into God, it wasn't, oh, Lord, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was just you were talking to God. But yet we sometimes want to emulate these other people. We see these people and, and, and we see them in a certain light and we want to be like them. Have you thought about you and your dreams and aspirations as they are right now? Because it doesn't matter how old you are, um, or at least, you know, as far as how old I am at, at Whatever am I, and I have to do math to figure that out, and that'd be like way too hard. Um, but you know, whatever your age is, some of that still carries with you. Uh, you don't have to be the little tyke downstairs for this to be applicable to you. An article in CNN on 4-26-22 stated that Elon Musk had become the most powerful man in the world. And here's some quotes from it. it says, hardly has any other person wielded as much influence over such wide ranging industries that could define the future of the global economy, social media, space travel, autonomous driving, electric transportation, and artificial intelligence. Love him or hate him, Musk is not only the world's richest person or second, depending on the list, he's arguably its most powerful too. But there's a person who's had more real power than anyone in Time's top 100 list or top list that they put on the front of their article or, for that matter, anybody else's article. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse 15. In Ezekiel 28, 15, it says, Thou was perfect in thy way found in thee. Okay, first thing is, this isn't you or me. Not created in perfection. You were created, but you weren't created perfect. You had a natural flaw. It's in nature. God's saying here is this creature was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. And then, uh, Verse 14, if we go back to it, it tells us who it is. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast, past tense, upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So he's talking about a place where we humans can't even go. We can't even see this place. And this creature was there. As the anointed cherub that covereth, there are four cherubs that are around the throne of God. He's saying this cherub, a special cherub, he was the one that covered. He was the one that was over the top of the throne. So when he looked down, he saw the other four cherubs and he saw the throne and he saw God sitting on the throne. And that was his job. On, on top of that, not only being the fifth cherub, the cherub that covered, he was anointed. 
Does anybody know what the word anointed means in the Bible? It means set apart or consecrated. As an example, we typically use that word like the, uh, this piano. When we bring them into a church service and we set them here, we, set, we say this is not necessarily anointed, but we say consecrated. It is set apart for God's music. This isn't for us to bring in a band of ragtime people or a whole bunch of other people and play music here. Its purpose, it's set apart for God's music, for his glory and his purpose. That's no different than what we try to do with ourselves in our own lives is God wants us to be consecrated. He wants us to be set apart to do his will. But there's a special thing when it's anointed. This is God saying, I'm setting this person apart. And in this particular case, he's talking about the anointed cherub that covereth. But he has lots of other names. Does anybody remember what his first name is besides this? Before the fall, he had a name. Lucifer, the light bearer. And after that, he got a whole bunch of different names. That old wicked one, you know. Uh, we, we have uh, Satan, the devil, old hooffoot, you know, all these old different things that people use to describe him. Um, and I want you to think about just for a short period of time is God created him. He's created perfect. God set him apart to have a special job. There were five cherubs, but only one of them got to be over the top. He was set apart and given this special job. So we're not talking about, you know, like us slowly down here, human beings or angels or the seraphim. We're talking about the four cherubim around the throne, and he was the fifth one over, and that was his job. But that wasn't enough. He wasn't content with it. He wasn't happy with it. He wanted more. Turn over to Psalms chapter 10. Psalms chapter 10. And you can, if you want to leave your place there, we'll come back eventually. Psalms chapter 10, or Psalm chapter 10. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4, says a verse that's very applicable. It says, the wicked, okay, so you want to understand some things about the wicked here, comma, through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Hmm. So if I read that verse right, guess what? God's not always in my thoughts. I'm wicked. I'm not perfect. I'm not even innocent. I lost innocence a long time ago. Uh, I lost innocence probably 3,000 miles away from here. Or no, probably 1,500, 2,000 miles away. I'm not perfect. I'm not innocent. So that means all it takes is one thought. Just one in your entire life. And God says, according to this verse, you're wicked. You know what? God's right. And that's a hard thing sometimes for modern people to understand is we try to look at ourselves and we look at, hey, you're all here in church today. You appear to all be, you know, sitting vertically. You're in your right mind. You're paying attention. I don't know why, because I wouldn't want to pay attention to me. But nonetheless is you have all the appearances of what people said are good people. And I'm not saying that you're not. But I just want us to remember that no matter how good we get on this earth, there's still just a little bit, of, at least a little bit of that wickedness in there. Why? Because we have thoughts that go to all sorts of different things. 
Turn over Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, and we're going to look in verse 13. Uh, up at the top of mine, it says, The plain words of wisdom. And then you read Proverbs eight thirteen, and it says, The fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. So God's giving us this list of some things that he hates. The first starts of it. The first thing we have to get from this is the fear of God. We need, we should have a healthy fear of God because he can make our life extremely difficult if he chose to do it. Uh, he can take you to the woodshed in a way nobody else can. Your dad may have taken you to the woodshed. Uh, he may have used his hand, his belt, a switch, uh, you know, anything else laying around. Uh, you know, whatever the case be, maybe your mom, it was a spoon or whatever else. That's nothing compared to what God wants to do when he decides to take you out to the woodshed. Here in verse 13, it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way. Well, we already read that, look, when our mind goes away from what God wants us to do, we're wicked. That's us. And it says the froward mouth, froward mouth. That's one of those nice Bible words that you, about that time you go find your 1828 dictionary and you're like, F, F. No, that's G. I got to go back and, you know, go look it up, those kinds of things. Sometimes when you see these words, they're words that you may know what they are. I would recommend sometimes when you're reading these and you think you know the definition of it, go look it up. Don't just think you know what the word is. Find some other verses in the Bible that help draw out what that meaning may be. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. And look in verse 23. It says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. We have a nation that's filled with pride. We have, and it, it doesn't matter what age you are. You could be an eight-year-old on TikTok thinking you're an influencer and a, and a social whatever, and guess what? Pride's got you. Uh, you may be a teenager, and you're one of the in crowd, and you know everybody likes you, and, and the girls, they come up and they look at you, and they're doing the hair flip when you're around, and you know they're turning their eyes and batting their eyelashes and whatever else, you know, if you're a guy. You know, if it's the girl, you know, and maybe it's you're looking at a girl, you know, and she's like not even pretending to see you because you're so beneath her and all these other things. Pride has no barrier on age. Remember, the devil's been around a lot longer than any of us. And so if it can take over him, it can take over us. Dr. Julian De Silva, a facial cosmetic surgeon, has utilized the latest computerized mapping capabilities and artificial intelligence to apply the ancient Greek technique called the golden ratio of beauty to determine the most beautiful people in the world. The actress who won this was, or who won the female side of it was Jodie Comer, who was selected as the world's most beautiful woman as her facial elements equaled the perfected ratio with a score of 98.7%, which is 1.3% away from perfection. Beauty can be a major problem for a lot of people. 
I want you to think about all, th- think how much money there is in beauty products. If you don't think there's money, then I don't know about your Walmart down here, but they're like, in ours, it's, it's like its own little special section. The only special section we used to have was where all the alcohol was at. They had this little special room back in there. Well, now they kind of had to fake and make one out where all the makeup and stuff is at. Why? It's big money. People are stealing it. Turn over back to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28, and we're going to look in verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the uh, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy, thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the, the day that thou was created. So God says when it comes to beauty, the standard is not the lady that got 98.7. It was the devil. He was the standard of beauty. Perfect in wisdom, and in beauty. How many people do you know that desire that combination today? Or or one of them. Let's just think beauty, for example. Uh, turn down to, let's go down to verse 17. It says, thy heart was lifted up because of thy what? Beauty. So if the devil had a problem, a heart problem with beauty, don't you think mankind can have a heart problem with beauty today? I mean, how many people, have you ever thought about some of these movie stars that always, you know, they can go to bed in a movie and they wake up and it looks like somebody put makeup on them already. I don't know about your particular thing, but when I wake up in the morning, um, it does not look like I ju- just was paying pe- somebody thousands of dollars to make me look nice. You know, cause there may be drool coming off side of my face, you know, I may have like half an eye open, you know, one of those kinds of things waking up. It's not like, oh, I'm awake and life is so great and I'm, I'm going to go skip in the garden now. <laughs> you know, some of us don't wake up that way. I mean, and there are some people that wake up and it's more like a growl noise and they roll over. And it's, you know, get away, leave me alone, wake me up in like an hour or two from now, or maybe tomorrow, depends how the day goes. Uh, you know, there are some of those that are like, don't talk to me until I had my first, make it the second cup of coffee. Don't it just, just ignore that I even exist until after that happens. But think about beauty and how much that has taken over our society. I mean, let's look at all the TikTok and faceplant and all these other, you know, things of, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. Um, how beautiful am I? And all these other things. The first fall recorded in your Bible right here, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. That was corrupted by the, uh, thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. He was a beautiful creature to behold. Because let's face it, if he was really nasty looking, I don't think he would have been that Twitter painted about him in the garden. Uh, you know, 
you're in a perfect garden area. There's no weeds. There's no mosquitoes. You can go out any time of the day, just pick the fruit off. It's ripe. You can eat it. Life is good. And yet there was something in the garden. There was someone in the garden. And we read that up before. It says, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And it lists all these precious stones. Imagine he is Lucifer, the light bearer, and is talking about this light. Can you imagine how beautiful he must have been with all these metals and these jewels on him and then illuminated? How gorgeous that must have been. So when we see people out there that their whole be-all, end-all is to be beautiful, understand, they're just following their father. They're just following their father. Lucifer was created as the most beautiful creature, and it's apparent that the notoriety and power with the addition of beauty wasn't enough for him, and it isn't today for many people we know. Just listen to the news. Listen to some of these people talk. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 24 starts off and it talks about to keep thee from the evil woman. Turn down then to verse 25. It says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. I don't know if you noticed this, but girls, they like put stuff on their eyelids. And then they got this other stuff they put on the eyelashes. And if those aren't good enough, they got stuff they can stick on the eyelashes that are like, you know, butterflies, you know, kind of things that, you know, all sorts of stuff that goes on there. Why are we surprised? The Bible tells you about right here. Look at what it says. Neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. Why are we surprised that people and ladies spend so much money trying to look beautiful? And look, I'm not saying don't look your best and all this other stuff. What I'm saying is don't let it be an issue of pride. I think you should look nice and you should look decent. But that shouldn't be who you are. Some of the most beautiful women and ladies I've ever seen in my life are not ones that are all makeuped up and have the finest clothes and all the other stuff. They're just godly women. That's it. Because one of the things is God talks or Paul talks about in the New Testament, ladies, when I look at you, I should see you. I shouldn't be looking at all the bangles and the jewelry and all, you know, things sticking out of your nose and ears and forehead and wherever else you want to pierce things and put stuff. That's not what God says. When we look at you, we should see who you are, not the stuff. Because the stuff is, that's just all leads to pride. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 31. And when we want to know what God thinks about of a woman, then we need to go to Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to look at verse 30. For here it says, whoops, don't read Proverbs 30. That doesn't get you anywhere close to the right place. Uh, Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. It is far better to have a woman that you're interested in who is a godly woman who's doing what this Proverbs chapter talks about or would be willing to do that than anybody who has favor and beauty. 
And let's face it, most, most guys, they're just looking with their eyes and they're like, hey, I think she's pretty cute. And that's about all it takes. You know, for some people, it's a little bit more. Maybe she can cook. It's all over. For, you know, it, everybody's a little different. You know, uh, we used to tease my, my youngest son all the time. It's like, look, if there's a girl that can cook and she knows how to cook what he likes, it's over. Because there he's just going to follow her because that's all he really cared about as a young person was eating. So, you know, it, we have those various things, Bar. But that is, am I seeing really you? Am I really seeing you or am I seeing all this other stuff? God wants you to be real. Why? Because then you can reach people. You can't reach people when you're fake. And the most beautiful person in the world, I don't care if you're a male or a female, it's the person who's doing God's will, God's way. That's the only way. God's will, God's way. It's not partial. It's not sometimes. It's not, well, yeah, but... It's God's will, God's way. And that's a hard thing for a young person because we want it now. You know, I want to meet Miss Wright right now. And God goes, no. You know, I had to learn that lesson the hard way. You know, in a period of my life, I even got mad at God because God didn't do it my way. And so I got mad at him. I, I know you're shocked and surprised by this. None of you would have ever done this. But, you know, let's just give you some words of advice for me is like, just don't do it. It's not worth it. Cause when you get angry at God and you go the wrong direction and you're saved, God's going to bring you back more than likely. You, that, that trip home is not fun. I, you know, you're like, you know, you have to take that slow, long, quiet trip back to go back to your father and then you have to look him in the eyes and as a kid i hated that you know it's like you did wrong okay now you got to look at me in the eyes and tell me what you did and you're like a kid oh, can i just how about i just look at the floor and tell you what i did i don't want to look at you and you know all that kind of stuff it's the same thing with god because what do we have to do when we do all these kinds of things we have to get to where from a heart attitude we're on our knees looking up going lord i'm sorry it's me again standing in the need of the prayer. It's me again being the dummy. Because let's face it, it's not a surprise to him. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. He knew it before he created the entire world. He knew every single mistake you were going to make. And he still loves us. Bernard Arnault, and I think I'm saying that right, head of luxury goods giant LVMH, takes Elon's place as the world's richest man, marking the first time a citizen of France, leads the raking with $211 billion as a personal net worth. That's because Elon Musk bought out Twitter, and that affected the stock prices of all sorts of his other companies. And so he's now number two in the list. So don't feel too bad for him. Turn over back to Ezekiel chapter 28. I want you to, and we're going to look at verses four and five now. And it says, well, let's go to verse three. It says, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee with thy wisdom. And with thine understanding, thou hast gotten the what riches and has gotten gold and silver into thy treasures by thy great wisdom and the, by thy traffic thou hast increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches let's turn down to verse 16 and it says by the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned 
See, there's a unique thing about money that God tells us is that it has an ability to go to the center of who you are and destroy it. God's not against money. He's just against the love of money when it becomes the be-all, end-all. Let's face it, Solomon and Abraham had more money than any of us did. Now, I'm just letting you know, just because I'm a godly person, if you're willing to make me as rich as one of those two, I'm willing to receive it. I know it's better to give than receive, but I'm willing to try it out. But God also probably knows that uh, what would I do? I'd just make a mess of things. I'd probably let that somehow, some way come in the middle of me and my relationship with the Lord. And he goes, it's not right for you. You can't handle it. The 1828 definition for merchandise is objects of commerce, wares, goods, commodities, whatever is usually bought or sold in trade. But provisions daily sold in market, horses, cattle, and fuel are not usually included in the term. And real estate, never. So the devil was into a lot of things. And a lot of it contributed to his fall. He did, Lucifer, a.k.a. the devil or Satan, did a multitude of merchandise that led him being filled with violence. See, there's a lot of people out there that you may envy or look up to that have all this money and you don't understand the real evil that's on the inside of them. You just see the public persona they want you to see. The one that they pay all these people to craft and create or the legions of people that they hire to keep them away from other people so you don't see who they really are. You don't really see who they are, what they are. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. He that trusteth in his what? Shall what? Fall. But the righteous shall flourish as a branch. For the love of money is the root of all evil. So behind the scenes of all the stuff is there, there's the love of money. Why? Because when you start talking to a lot of rich people, if you can get them to be honest, enough is never enough. It's not enough to be a millionaire. Or a multimillionaire. It's not enough to be a billionaire or a multi-billionaire. It's, it, it, it causes them to want more and more and more and never is enough. What's enough? More. There's no end and it controls and defines everything about them and their choices. It comes down to, I'm going to make this choice. Is there money in it? How can I make money out of it? That becomes the be all. Why? It's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. But not just that. Let's talk about another one. Finance Online lists Johann Wolfgang von Goethe as having an IQ of 220. The German poet, novelist, playwright, politician, and diplomat is best known for a whole bunch of literary works of which, uh, let's just be honest, I didn't know any of them. Um, and he's been regarded as a literary genius. But he was also involved in scientific studies, particularly in the field of natural science. Mensa lists... William James Sides, as a, who was a child prodigy with an IQ of somewhere between 200 to 300. He went to university or he attended Harvard at 11 and graduated at 16. There's some brains on that kid, some would say. 
You know, you're not dealing with the the general, you know, average thing, you know, and that would be go to a playground and watch the boys and you're like, yeah, uh, not them. You know, because you just see some of the things boys do. And then they become teenagers, and it's it's even worse a lot of times. But remember, we already read that the devil has more wisdom than anybody. He's wiser than Daniel. There's no secret that can be hid from him. Whatever secret you may think you have, let's just face it, there's two people that know it, the God and the devil. So he was wiser than anyone And yet, look what happened to him. Here's the person who had all of the beauty, all of the power and notoriety, all of the wisdom. And what did it gain him? What was the end result? Turn over to Job chapter 28. Job chapter 28. Job 28, 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. See, wisdom is one thing. Understanding is ability to put it into practice, to actually use it. Because there's a lot of wisdom. Uh, I'll give you examples of that. Wisdom says there's this thing called gravity. And if it goes up, it's got to come down. Okay, understanding would be not being a young boy and doing things like shoot things or throw things straight up into the air and then go, huh, imagine that. It came straight back down. This may not be a good choice. Uh, you could be like one of my college friends. He got some black powder from his dad, took the fuses out of a, uh, I don't even remember what, wired them all together. He had like four, five, six fuses, filled a Coke bottle, with black powder and then stuffed the fuse into that and then lit it and then stepped back about two feet and went like this. See, there's this interesting thing about when things are just sitting there, they like to sit there and they stay there, right? There's another one that says when things are in motion, they like to stay in motion. Well, the things that just sit there don't always stand there because sometimes there's something else that happens. In this case, it was a whole bunch of black powder. He's standing there. It explodes and... The part that he didn't think about is when this explodes, it's probably not going to just go all straight up. It's probably going to come out. And when it comes out, it's going to apply a huge amount of force on this glass container that was only designed to hold a pressurized drink, you know, carbonated water, basically. And you're putting black powder in it and filling it up and then lighting it on fire. And so it explodes, I'm not sure how many microseconds it took, but I'm pretty sure somewhere after boom, but before things started impaling themselves into his face, he realized he made a mistake. That's understanding. Uh, you may have other ones with understanding. You know, little kids, right? If that's a fireplace or your stove and the little kid's hands, and you tell them no, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Why? You're trying to help them learn some wisdom and then put it into practice with understanding. But there's some kids, let's just face it, They're going to have to burn themselves. And then they're like, ow. Okay, maybe I don't want to do that. And then there's some kids that are really special. They're like, well, it only, it happened once. It may not happen again. I got to try this again. And yet sometimes we do the same things in our own lives. 
The majority of the people you know right now are lusting, coveting, desiring after at least one of the things I just listed. At least one of them, maybe more. And if you had an honest conversation about the future, what they wanted to accomplish in their lives, it's going to include one of those. The devil started off perfect. He started off being the most wise. He started off with the most beauty. He started off, obviously, with the ability to make money. You're starting off being innocent, not perfect. You're starting off with a sin nature. And that's why it's so important that we have an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ where we sit down with him and heart to heart ask him to please save us. Why? Because if the devil who is created perfect and had all these things going for him, what chance do we have as regular human beings who are not perfect, who don't have all the wisdom, who don't have all the understanding? And then we wonder and are surprised by the mess we think we get ourselves into. Turn over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And go down to verse 44. In John chapter 8, verse 44, this is the Lord talking, and he says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is the li- he is liar, is a liar and the father of it. That's what the Lord said about him. See, he's not just happy or content with rebelling against God. He, that's, that's not enough for him. He wants to take everybody with him that he can. Ever known anybody like that? There's nothing like a group of boys and you have one boy in there who's getting into trouble, but it's not enough to get in trouble for himself. He's got to bring a pack with him. Ladies, you have your own version of it. You don't think so? Let me, let me draw your attention to this picture. You're sitting down to eat somewhere and there's a group of ladies there. One gets up and everybody else, uh, the ladies decides they need to all get up and go to the bathroom at the same time. I'm not sure if they're comparing notes. They're checking makeup. They have their own little mob or gang too. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We want to look at verse 32. And God's talking, well, let's go back up to verse 31. Um, We're not going to read the other stuff, but it's a big, long list of negative characteristics of people. But verse 31 says, without understanding that's being able to put wisdom into practice now look at verse 32 who knowing the judgment of god that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasures in them that do them see when you're doing things wrong you like to be around people who do stuff wrong not only that you want to encourage other people to do wrong stuff with you and it can be innocent it can be a big deal i'll give you a personal illustration i can remember in 1986 uh, it was right before the space shuttle blew up. Um, I was working nights. It was like a couple months before that, I think. I was working nights um, in one of the buildings cleaning up. That was my job. And so in the military, when you're doing that, it's all sorts of stuff. You have the buffers. So if you don't know what those are, it's a big rotary engine, and you have a handle on it, and you can ride it like a rodeo 
and see how time, how long you're on it. Now, that's not the purpose for it, but that's what military people do with those. And then they have, it has brushes on it, and then you could put a scrubby pad underneath it, and then you could use it with liquid to scrub the floors. And then you could go back and use it to wax the floors with a different pad underneath it. So we're all doing that, and uh, by this time, with the group I was hanging around, I was doing a tobacco product called Copenhagen. Now, I don't know about most of you, but just let me give you a word of advice. Um, if you crack that bad boy open and stick it up to your nose, you're probably going to throw up. Why? Because it does not smell good. There's nothing in that smell that makes you want to go, ooh, I like that. Right? Then the next thing you do is you have this fine ground tobacco product and you take it and you stick it between your teeth and gums because that's what you saw in the movie and, you know, TV show and everything else. And then you close your lid and you do that. Well, it's not enough just to do that. One of the most things that you find pleasure in and enjoying is when you have people that come along who are new people coming into your group and they're like, Hey, can I do that? And you're like, sure. Cause you know where this is going to go. Cause this has already been done to you in the military. There's one of the things they enjoy the most. Some people call it hazing. Some people call it all, all sorts of other different things is when you can do something like that and you get to pay it forward and let somebody else experience it, which is what you put that into your mouth for the first time. It's probably going to make you sick and throw up. And that person's going to be running for the bathroom. And then what you're going to do, you're going to laugh at them. Yeah, that was just you a month, six months, a year, a couple years ago. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells you, you need to put on the whole armor of God, not just the parts that you want to. Not the parts that are convenient, not the parts that you have mastered, not the parts that you think, well, this is enough for today if I do fill in the blank. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, it says, the first part of it says, love not the world. And what do we do? You can't even drive down through towns or on the freeway without signs out there that are making you covet or lust after things. You can't even drive through town because you have a, probably have a part of town that has like these new dealerships with new vehicles. And you're like, ooh, that's nice. See, I don't even need that. I can go by the used car lots and I can see an old 1960s uh, Chevy uh, with a nice engine in it and stuff like that. And you're like, ooh, that's nice. Now, I wouldn't want the convertible because, let's face it, in Washington, that's just not. But the hard top, I, I'd like that, right? Or maybe it's an old Dodge or Ford. Sorry for you guys, but, you know, there's some people that do. Nonetheless, what? There's things that you covet after. Maybe for you, it's driving by and you see the big bass boat. Or you see one of those ocean-going uh, ones that can do salt water or fresh water. You know, I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's uh, you go to Cabela's. Let's just face it. We all have those things which we look at, and God says, love not the world. What does that mean? That should not occupy a place which obscures your vision of the Lord. When you're looking up at the Lord, whatever that thing is should not get in your way. And if it does, it's wrong. It's that simple. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be the most innocent thing in the world. You know, uh, I like fishing with my little Zebco 202 that I bought at Kmart. You know? Yeah? And then you tell the pastor, well, you know, I worship the Lord in nature. Liar. And there you're out to go fishing. What's it doing? That thing is coming between you and the Savior. That's loving the world. 
And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be another human being. Let's face it, teenage and 20-somethings, you know, you have that relationship with that person, and that person may be your love of the world that's between you and the Savior. And it's taking your eyes off the Lord. I can't tell you how many times I've seen some young ladies and even some young men that had a good heart that were going in the right direction, and they meet somebody, and then I don't even know where they are today. I'll tell you one thing, they're not in church. I can tell you another one. If they did marry him, they're probably not still married. So if your heart is desiring the things of this world, then you're acting just like the devil. We already listed all the characteristics that led to it. So the question is to ask yourself, am I following after my father, the devil, or are you just a prodigal son? Because if one of those things are the thing that's a priority for you, that's your only two options the way you come out of it. Either it is you're just following your father, the devil, because you're lost and you need to get saved. Or the other question is saved. Well, in, in the case, you're just the prodigal son. And you just haven't got to the case where you got in your right mind and go, I need to go back to the father. I need to just be a servant in my father's house. Because that's the way that plays out. It's simple. You don't have to turn over a new leaf to become a Christian. You don't have to join a church. You don't need a mantra. You don't need to memorize scripture. If you're lost, what you need is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a relationship that starts in your heart, not your head. It starts in your heart when you go, Lord, please save me, a sinner. Because you have to admit to yourself and to God first what you really are is, I am a sinner. I am evil. I am unclean. I am imperfect. You don't have to list out every sin. I know there's some people out there that you got to go confess every sin you ever did to the Lord. Let's face it, as a lost person, I don't care who you are or how old you are, you don't even know what all the sins are that you committed. What you have to go to him is tell him, I am a sinner. And it only takes one to make you in that category. The second thing is you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You have to believe that he went to the cross as God, died for you, went to hell to put your sins where they belong, and then resurrected the third day. Why? Because he's not like us. I'm pretty sure, I don't care who you are, if we take you out in the back and we shoot you dead, three days later you're not popping up out of the ground. Uh, the, The stone is not rolling away for you. But you, all of that part is admit and believe. The devil will admit the fact that he's a evil fallen creature. He believes everything I just told you about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's missing one thing. It's confession with the mouse. You have to confess the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior. And that's the one thing the devil will not do. His pride and all the other stuff gets in the way, and he's not going to go, Lord, save me. But as you as a human being, we all have that choice and that opportunity to do that, and that's what it takes to get saved. Now, if you're saved and you're a prodigal, it doesn't matter whether it's a short time or a long time. What you have to do is get your fellowship right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you once you got saved, your eternity is fixed and settled. But you're, that's... It has nothing to do with your relationship. Because let's face it, my dad is my dad. Doesn't matter what I do, he's still my dad. But 
My relationship with him is affected by my actions. And there are times that I have to go to him and I have to tell him, Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up. Please forgive me. Your relationship with God the Father is the same way. You need to go to him and tell him, Sorry, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer again. Yep, I know I've done this 3,432.16 times or whatever it is. It's me again. But that's what the prodigal has to do. You have to come to your right mind, and then you have to go to the Father, and you have to be a servant. So have you ever thought about, uh, turn over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Have you ever thought about what is stopping you? from getting saved if you're, law, if you're lost? Have you ever thought about as a Christian what's stopping you from taking care of business with the Lord? Mark chapter 8, verse 36. It says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? See, all these things that I just listed about that the devil is involved in, a lot of people are looking, even if you could have it all, God says it's not worth the cost because it's going to cost you your soul. That should also help us to understand how valuable it is to get our relationship with the Lord taken care of if we're saved and why we need that close relationship. Uh, just to be honest, let's read the next verse. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. So when the Lord comes back, is he going to be ashamed of you? I can tell you honestly, there's been a whole bunch of times in my life I've been ashamed to be a Christian. Why? Because the pathetic example I've been, the mistakes I've made, the anger, the hatred, the bitterness, all those fruits of the flesh that come out. And sometimes, you know what's even worse than that? Is you'll be doing all those things, and you know you're doing them, and God will come by and he'll give you a blessing. Because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Sometimes God, in the middle of you making a complete shipwreck out of your life, he's going to come by and he's going to bless you, and then you're going to feel really miserable because you know where it came from. It wasn't an accident. It was God trying to show you his love to you in the midst of the pit that you dug for yourself and put all the stuff in it to make it bad, and then you jumped in and God goes, hey, I'll give you, I'm going to pull you out of there anyways and set you over here. And then you're sitting there going, now you feel even worse. It was bad enough in the pity and all the other stuff you had, but now God did something for you in a very personal way that you know it was his hand. And I can tell you this, there are things I've done as a boy, as a man, as a dad, as a husband, as a, and now even as a grandpa that I'm ashamed of. And it may be the same for you too. So we have the opportunity to take advantage of the time that we have right now and get things right with the Lord. And whether that is us being honest with the Lord and saying, Hey Lord, I need to get saved. Yes. I've been going to church. Yes. I've heard this. Yes. I've heard that. I know the entire plan of salvation backwards and forwards, but I have never in my heart of hearts went to you and pleaded with you and asked you to save me. Then you need to do that. 
And I'm sure if we went and talked to almost everybody here, every other person here, if you could sit down and have a one-to-one talk with you, they would beg and they would plead with you to get saved today. But what about you, Christian? If you're the prodigal right now and you know there's something in your life, it may be the smallest little speck of a thing, but you know it's there. I don't know it's there. Your husband, wife, family, they may not know it there, but you and God both know it's there. How about you stop being the prodigal? How about you stop lusting after all the things the devil went after and made a complete destruction of his life? Why are you still going after those things? Why are you trying to be like him? You have a father you should emulate, and it's not him if you're saved. But as a prodigal, it's never going to change until you decide and come to your right mind and then act on it. It is not enough to admit, I did wrong, I'm ashamed. Great. You got to come to the Father. You have to come to the Father. And you have to go to Him and you have to ask Him, please forgive me. It's not a whole lot different than a lost person coming to the Lord to get saved. What's He saying? Please forgive me. So I'm asking you right now, If you're a prodigal or you're lost, I want you to come up here and come to the altar and get it right with the Lord and not wait one more minute, one more hour, one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year. Get it taken care of. And if, because I know if I sat down and talked to you and I asked you about it, you would tell me honestly, if you're saved, that you want that restored fellowship that's complete and open and honest with the Lord completely. Well, when's the last time you came to the altar? When's the last time the Holy Spirit pricked your heart and you're going, you're right, Lord. And, and what I'm talking about now may not be your problem. You may have something else, but you know that thing is in there. Wouldn't it be a shame if the trumpet blew this afternoon and you didn't take the advantage of the time right now to take care of it? Wouldn't it be a shame that an hour or two hours from now, the last trump blows and we're out of here and you have to remember the words that came out of my mouth that said, you need to come take care of it. Because wouldn't you rather take care of it now here before the Lord shows up? Wouldn't you like to meet him in the air? And not be like, I don't want to look him in the eyes because I'm ashamed. Because I know what a failure I am. And it is no slight to come up here and get things right with the Lord. I have way more respect for people that come up here and bear their heart to the Lord, whether it's to get saved or whether it's to do something, than somebody who sits in a chair and is holding on on the inside, not so people can see it, with everything that they have because they know what the right thing is to do, but they're not going to do it. I will not. Well, you're going to act like one of the two. Which father are you going to follow? Which father are you going to act like? Only you can make that decision. So, brother, can you have somebody come up and pray and play? All I can do is ask. I can beg and I can plead with you. I don't know you, most of you. 
I don't know what issues are in your life, but I know this, whatever those issues are, God is the only person who can truly help you with it. Please take advantage of the opportunity you have right now to fix things with the Savior. Don't let it go. Don't just go, it's not that bad. It's no big thing. I'm sure that's what the devil said too. You're just acting like your father. Let's not do that. Let's let our hearts be moved by the Lord Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us.